This is the Thursday, May 27th edition of the Daily Wager Podcast. We've got you covered with a nice slate of NBA action as we try to continue our winning ways this week. So sit back and as we always promise, in and out in less than 10 minutes. Welcome to Daily Wager Podcast presented by DraftKings America's top-rated daily fantasy app. I'm Doug Kazarian alongside Tyler Fulgham. Tyler, we almost swept the board, but no dice on my over in the Sixers game. How about how about yourself? Yeah, it was a, a good bounce back day yesterday for me. Derek Rose very easily cleared um, his point prop. That's something I love. Ben Simmons, my best bet. Um, also, would have had the triple double if not for the blowout. Um, so it was it was a really good day uh, for me. The only thing that really missed for me was the uh, I got a little too cute with the Utah Jazz, thinking they would need um, some time to get used to having Donovan Mitchell back. So. They dominated in the first half, but that awesome second half from John ja Morant had the Grizzlies win in the second half over the Jazz. Yeah, it really was a uh, memorable performance by a few uh, teams last night, one of which was really Memphis' second half. I was really impressed yeah. with how the Grizzlies did not fold like we've seen other teams do it. I mean, the Jazz get the cover, but still, uh, they sent a message that this is far from a 1-8 matchup that we typically see, especially with the one seed being the number one overall seed in the playoffs. So uh, this series is going to be a dogfight for the Grizz uh, for the jazz. And maybe the Grizzlies can maybe even pull off the upset, exciting atmosphere at um, MSG down 15. They come back and win. So that series is even up, but let's turn the page to tonight's action. I'm going to start with Portland minus four, pretty traditional kind of standard play zigzag theory. I think Blazers kind of get right coming home. I don't think Denver's role players will perform as well as they did in game two. Uh, I think Jokic is going to have a nice game Porter jr. As well. But I just think Portland, having getting smacked in the face, bounce back, I'll lay the four. Feels like a little bit of a trap, but I still got to take it and lay four. Yeah, I'm going to go back to a prop that I've played in both games. It's one and one so far. It's Michael Porter Jr. over his point prop. That number was 23 and a half in game one. He went over despite shooting one of 10 from downtown. It was 24 and a half in game two. He was well under that. And that's because guys like Paul Millsap, Monty Morris, and some of these other role players at home in Denver had monster stat lines relative to what their expectation was and were wildly efficient. So Porter Jr. wasn't needed. He also shot 5 of 13 from the field, which is you know far under his normal efficiency. And as you said there, with this series now shifting to Portland uh, for Game 3, Doug, I don't expect the Millsaps, the Morrises, the Compazzos, those um, ancillary pieces to be as efficient or as effective on the road as role players. So like I've been trying to project, the bulk of the offense will come from Jokic, the MVP, and Porter Jr., by far their second-best scorer and offensive weapon. I think Michael Malone is asking for at least 55 to 60 points total from these two. Jokic has delivered on his part, and Porter, along with the secondary pieces in Game 2, uh, delivered um, in that one. So I think with the, uh, the so to speak, role players, Having a far less efficiency in game three, Porter Jr. will reach this number, which has fallen back again to the game one number of 23 and a half. So I'm going to go over here with MPJ. Right. More of the responsibility will fall on him and Jokic. Uh, I, um, you know, something I wrote about a couple of years ago, probably like four or five years ago, was just how the NBA playoffs, the betting market sort of adapts to the series situation. For example, we saw the Lakers favored in game two after being underdogs by a few points in game one. Well, here's Miami coming home, down 0-2, the more desperate team. Typically, there is a tax, a kind of a severe tax on the first quarter line, but you're not getting one that significant here. So Milwaukee is a one-and-a-half 
or one point road favorite in game three, the Heat are just pick them instead of like in old days, like a few years ago, it was like minus two or something ridiculous. Uh, but just the Bucks have looked so good. Heat are limited. I'm still going to take Miami first quarter, sort of trust the betting system, if you will, that you're going to get a strong start. If you prefer first to 20, that's fine too. Some people want to go first half, that's fine. I just think the Heat bounce back. Uh, backs against the wall again more desperate team and also a more relaxed team uh, that's the one thing that it's, it's kind of a double whammy there and historically Spolstra has done really well following a um, double digit loss in the playoffs 18 four and one ATS Ooh. so uh, I think now a lot of that was LeBron and those stuff but sure still, the point spreads a great equalizer okay. I'd be surprised if the Heat don't win the game I really do but I like them first quarter here Similar to you, I think the Heat in the desperate situation back home where they've always been good, um, muck this game up, uh, play hard, you know, hard 48 minutes. Um, it goes under and they get the win. That's kind of how I'm handicapping this. But again, I'm going to go back to something that I'm probably going to play unless the numbers change drastically uh, over the course of the entire series, thinking that I'm going to win more often than I lose. Right now it's one and one again, but Giannis under his point prop, uh, 28 and a half is what it was for game two. He went over. It was 29 and a half in game one. He went under, despite the game going to overtime in game one and getting those extra five minutes. The under still cashed there. It's the game two line for, for game three of 28 and a half. I'm going to go under again, thinking that Miami delivers a dominant defensive performance, not just on Giannis, but on the entire Bucks team. I'm, I'm, I'm projecting um, under expectation for the Bucks offense, as that is usually the reason or key to success for Miami getting a victory dominant defensive performance jimmy butler has to be better and the matchup is not as easy as it once was for him with uh, eric bledsoe gone and drew holiday in now but i do think miami wins this game and it's a low scoring game where they keep Giannis in check with bam out bio team defense and uh the heat win this game so again i'll play Giannis under 28 and a half and keep riding that until uh we see the trend change yeah no i do expect the miami defense to respond in this game that's part of like why um you know why it's all part of the handicap in my first quarter and whatnot. The Lakers line's kind of surprising. Obviously, they looked good and needed to win and got the win. I just think seven is too big of a number. Um, Chris Paul listed as probable, and we're not really sure. And he's such a dominant like force in a game, just with the ball and the leadership. But I have to take the plus seven. Remember, the Lakers were up one with like two minutes to go. I know they had a 10-point lead in the fourth, but still, I, I just think seven is too much. I'm not ready to trust this Lakers team to lay seven here. A small play for me, but I'm going to grab the touchdown with the Suns. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I think the Lakers win this game, and I don't know if we'll see exactly what we saw in round one last year where they lost game one and then you know had the gentleman sweep, so to speak, against Portland. I think Phoenix is better than that. But you're right. The Chris Paul injury is the one thing I think we can isolate and find an advantage. And how I'm going to do that is through the Dennis Schroeder point prop. It's 14 and a half, and we know the Lakers will get what they get from LeBron and AD, but for them to win the championship, they need someone else on the roster in each game to step up. The most likely uh, offensive weapon to do so throughout the postseason this year is going to be Dennis Schroeder, and with Paul injured and his minutes being reduced because of that injury, the micro matchup for Dennis Schroeder gets a lot easier. Cameron Payne was awesome in game two, but defensive wizard, he is not. Chris Paul, still at this age, is awesome defensively within the team scheme and on ball. So with Paul's minutes coming down, I think we get a very similar Dennis Schroeder level production like we saw in game two, 
when Paul played limited minutes and Schroeder had 23 points in the game and 16 field goal attempts, which was tied with LeBron James for most on the team. Like I said, the Lakers are going to need someone, whether it's Schroeder, whether it's Kuzma, whether it's Drummond, Harrell, whoever, someone else needs to add some offense. And I think more likely than not, it's going to be Schroeder. That's the, that's what he does so quick with the ball in his hands, getting to the rack and attacking 14 and a half seems a little soft for his point prop for a guy. I think we see, saw in game two, that's going to be closer to what we see the rest of the series with Paul Hurt. So I'll play over 14 and a half for Schroeder. And that might be something that I keep hammering throughout the series unless the market adjusts. All right. I like it. Good stuff. So heavy NBA dose edge of everything tomorrow. No daily wager, but we will have plenty of plays on the pod heading into the weekend. Uh, don't forget, uh, we are on tonight, our final daily wager show, 6 Eastern on ESPN2. We hope to see you then. And remember, when you can, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It really helps out our metrics. So that'll do it for this pod. In and out in less than 10 minutes. Tyler, I will see you later in the studio. And, and best of luck to everyone on their uh, on their wagers today. <laughs>